Welcome to Charlotte Reader's Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the show that features stories and poems by local and regional authors, the kinds that touch the emotions, followed by conversations that offer depth and insight into the readings and writing lives of the authors. We record this show in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located right here in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. Support for Charlotte Reader's Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. For more information about these book-minded sponsors who help authors give voice to their written words, please visit them online at parkroadbooks.com and cmlibrary.org or drop by the bookstore or any library branch. Support is also provided by members like you, and for that, we offer our gratitude along with some awesome member-only content. You can find out more about these member benefits at charlottereaderspodcast.com. But enough with the prologue. Let's get to the stories. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. In today's episode, we meet Rosie Crumpton, author of All I Left Unsaid, A Latino's Journey Toward Truth and Kamaria Delaney, author of the poetry anthology, Soul Power. In Rosie's novel, tinged with much personal truth, an idyllic childhood in Panama is disrupted when a mother moves her child to the United States with a man who is not the child's father. And after many traumas, the child grows up and tries to find her way home to the family she left behind. Ultimately, the author is able to celebrate her Panamanian culture while exploring themes of family, home, and the secrets that divide. Kamaria Delaney finds soul power as all things that make your soul smile, your heart flutter, and empower you to keep going. In her poetry anthology, Kamaria celebrates her black heritage with poems with a common theme. Never be afraid to soar, for there is freedom in the leap. We start the show with Kamaria reading her poem, For the Dreamers, and Rosie reading about college graduation, where a dream is fulfilled despite much adversity. For the Dreamers. I dream solid dreams. I dream dreams that I know my God won't hesitate to manifest. When I dream, I don't hesitate to let my whole imagination flow. Because if you know, like I know, they told me to dream big. You see, I can never put my dreams in a box. So far tucked away that I can't even feel my dreams anymore. Nah, I gotta see my dreams on paper, so I write them down. I read them out loud, so I never lose sight of where I'm trying to go. Nowadays, people hear your dreams and start plotting, praying on your downfall, trying to find a way to change your course, or some even make plans to go after what you plan to chase, but hope that they beat you to it faster. We tell the kids to dream out loud so they can be anything without putting them on game that out here, the world gets real. We got to teach them to dream bigger dreams than bouncing a ball or getting a record deal. Not knocking anyone's hustle, but dreams are only ideas without hard work and consistency to make them a reality. Dreams should go far beyond what you want to do and eventually reflect what you must do. That burning desire to do something because it's what you're meant to do, that's a dream turned into purpose. I promise it's worth it to start pouring into your dreams. Dream larger than life, but don't forget to open your eyes and make it a reality. After four hard years, the day of my college graduation finally came. Mommy and Puppy threw me a party that I put together. I guess party planning has always been kind of my thing. 
I found and secured the venue, sent out the invites, provided input on the menu, decorated the room with help from the four of you, and Mommy and Puppy cooked and footed most of the bill. I remember feeling so strange that morning. All of the family rode down to campus much later after me. I drove myself and rode in complete silence for the full 30-minute ride. I wanted to reflect on my college journey. Walking across that stage didn't feel like the beginning of my adult life. It wasn't joyous, exciting, or scary like the other graduates around me were describing. It represented the end of a bad era for me. I was angry. I felt held back. I felt tired. I regretted not taking full advantage of the college experiences the kids around me talked about and were already missing. But maybe now I could be free. I had done what I needed to do. I had made mommy proud by becoming a college graduate. She had always told me she would have become a psychologist if she'd been given the choice. Now here I was, a psychology major, wanting mommy to live that vicariously through me. My moment was finally here, my name was called, and I walked across that stage to get the expensive piece of paper that symbolized achievement, success, and progression. To me, it symbolized a larger earning potential for our family. Now I could get a well-paying job, move out, live on my own, but make enough money to still contribute to the family. But today and the next few weeks, I would enjoy freedom. No work, no relationships, just me, mommy, and the four of you. Rosie Crompton uses her personal life experiences to tell stories that promote healing and growth. Her debut novel, All I Left Unsaid, is laced with raw vulnerability that depicts the message that we are not alone, while also celebrating her Panamanian heritage. Rosie is a writer, community advocate, and an integrative health coach who is passionate about inclusion, culture, and diversity. She supports causes that are loving and empowering, especially for women. Her hobbies include journaling, reading, running, meditating, cooking, and engaging her community which she does from her home in Matthews. Kamaria Delaney is a writer, poet, author, and spoken word artist hailing from the Queen City. At 26 years young, Kamaria has gained inspiration from her travels to 10 different countries. Her first poetry collection, Soul Power, addresses concepts of self-worth, love, light, faith, dreams, and self-care. Kamaria has been writing since she was in grade school, whose poetry has been published in anthologies such as A Celebration of Poets, she was a member of a spoken word group in college called Sistas and performs at open mics in the Washington, D.C. and Chicago areas. When she's not writing or traveling, Kamari enjoys spending time with her family and enjoying the outdoors. Host Landis Wade is committed to making this podcast worth your time. He's a recovering trial lawyer, award-winning author, book and dog lover, whose laid-back style encourages authors to read and talk about their published and emerging works. You can listen to this show for free at charlottereaderspodcast.com or at Charlotte Mecklenburg Library's digital branch website. And you can subscribe and listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Show notes of this episode with images, links, and information about the authors are available at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Rosie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Kamaria, welcome. Thanks. Yeah. So book titles, Soul Power, and All I Left Unsaid, A Latina's Journey Toward Truth. Uh, tell me about Soul Power. Soul Power has been a journey as well. Um, it's something that has always been a dream of mine to connect the world to my poems. 
I would say Soul Power is definitely like a blueprint into my life through poems, through poetry. I um, have been able to perform a lot of the poems in the book through spoken word, poetry, and um, connect with audiences that way. But it was so important for me to put those poems on paper for others to read and really connect with me through my poetry. Mm. So, Kamari, when did you decide, you know, you've been out doing the spoken word, you've been writing poetry for how long now? Honestly, this is going to sound weird, but my mom tells me when I was in first grade, my first grade teacher told her that I was going to be a writer. I think it was because, like, as young as maybe four or five, I would, you know, just go up to anybody and kind of start talking. She, you know, jokes about it now, but I can see her now just kind of being, like, rushing me along, like, let's let's go. <laughs> but, I mean, I've always been a talker. I've always yeah. been, you know, someone who wasn't really afraid to, like, say yeah. whatever I was thinking. So, um, you know, writing has definitely been a passion of mine for many years. Um, I think it really just started with reading. I've always been an avid reader. Uh-huh. I love to read. Um, and then, you know, writing just kind of stemmed from that. But writing's never really been a chore for me. You know, in, in school, I was happy to write papers, term papers and stuff like that. So You're happy to write term papers. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak, speaking of, uh, you know, the spoken word, your title, Rosie, uh, All I Left Unsaid. Right. Yeah. So uh, you decided there were some things you needed to say, right, about your life and your past. And while it's pretty much memoirish, you made it a novel. And uh, but it's it's really kind of your journey toward truth. Right. Correct. Yeah. And how did you finally get the courage to do that? Uh, well, <laughs> I've been a writer like you, too, for a very long time. I used to journal and write poetry and I kept it all to myself. And then I decided to publish, so the, hence the title, Now All I Left Unsaid, and now I'm sharing with the world. But um, I had a life-changing experience. I found my father on a Google search and learned of two brothers and a sister that I didn't know that I had. Uh, and I think you told me that you decided to, to do it as more of a novel just to protect the names of some people. Yeah. You know, but they know who they are, right? <laughs> I did go ahead and change character names um, yeah. and added a little spice to some details. Yeah. So talk about this uh, this title here, All I Left Unsaid, A Latina's Journey Toward Truth. What truth were you searching for? Ooh. Um, it was about when I wrote this book, I was 26 years old. I had gone and healed from some past trauma, but it felt like something was missing. And I knew that part of that was finding my biological father, but also I hadn't gone back home since I was little. And so it's about the journey, and I went as far, it's a coming-of-age novel, so it goes as far back as growing up, but then the return back home. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into some, some reads from the book here shortly, but, but your book and, Kamari, your collection of poetry, I mean, both these books explore topics of love, loss, hope, relationships, family, culture, heritage, nationality, race. So, and now y'all are friends, right? (laughs) Y'all met through the podcast here, right? So I'm introducing authors to each other. So you've read each other's books, is that right? Yeah. And uh, so Kamaria, you had a a preface to your book where you talk a little bit about uh, the fact that you had some low points in your life as well. And, uh, this writing experience sort of helped you with that is that right absolutely i would definitely you know describe soul power as a 
big portion of my healing journey, just um, healing from past trauma and just some personal things that I was dealing with um, in my life. So I think, you know, soul power was more of a release in the literal sense, but also like a personal, you know, release for me to just kind of let some things go um, in the form of my poems in hopes that others could be inspired to, you know, share more of their own personal story Mm. and just, you know, find a way to like love themselves regardless, you know, of what you've gone through. Yeah, so you've got domestic assault in the background, and Rosie, you're dealing with uh, domestic abuse in, in the book as well, and in your background, and these are, are very difficult experiences to have to go through once, but is the writing experience where you sort of talk about that and get through it, does that help? Does it hurt? I mean, what, what, how does that, is there a balance? Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can speak on that too. Um, for me as well, writing has always been a release and, and a healing process, like I said, through poetry. Um, and there were so many parts in this book that when you reflect back on some of the experiences and you get to look at what you've overcome and how far you've gone and witness your growth, there's so much rich power in that. And writing was a part of that journey for me. How about you, Kamoria? I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with what she just said you know I think for me you know mine was through the course of you know dealing with domestic violence you know I would journal I would always you know just try to keep track of like my journal entries and just like record my thoughts and what I'm feeling at the time but you know journaling definitely has some true power um, in it itself because you're just you know doing some self-reflection and for me you know my poetry has always been something that you know helps me get through things especially something as heavy as, you know, violence or domestic violence. Mm. And Rosie, you're, um, what people find out when they read your book is that uh, you, you're the older one in the family because your mother and then the, the new man that she took on when she left Panama had, had more children together, but they were younger. And you, you were kind of like a parent to them, right? Right. And then so you, you actually opened the book with uh, a little... Dear Kids segment um, where you're writing to them about why you decided to write this book. Can you speak to why you started it that way? And it's almost like a dedication. Yeah. Well, I wrote that part of the book very, like, last. Um, I wrote the rest of the story. But writing this part of it, the very beginning, is what gave me permission to release the rest of the book, if that makes sense. Hmm. We've got these two books. Um, they deal with lots of emotional topics. Um, Kamari, what was the reason you felt like you needed to get this on paper? Aside from, you know, just needing to release it for myself, I have always had dreams of writing a book. Um, I do hope to write a novel in the future, but, you know, I definitely felt like poetry was something to start with because it's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, something I do often and pour into often. So it was, you know, the perfect opportunity for me to use my poetry to, you know, tell my story in a unique way. Um, you know, I think that some people, you know, as much as they want to read and dive into mm -hmm. books, you know, they may not be as avid of a reader. So I felt like, you know, with poems, you know, they're not as long, they're shorter, but I can still kind of get what I'm trying to co convey across through poetry. Um so it was super important for me to just do that um, 
as an inspiration to others and to encourage others to, you know, take the time to really like care for yourself and love your love on yourself, um, regardless of what you may have experienced in the past. And uh, did did you share this with your family and how did they react? Oh, absolutely. It's interesting um, because the space that we're in today, Advent Coworking, is actually where I had my book release. Really? That's great. So um, all my family and friends were here to celebrate Soul Power. Um, It's definitely something that's um, been well received from, you know, a lot of my family and friends and just people who I don't even know who have been able to um, purchase Soul Power and, and read it. Um, but my family has been very proud of me. Um, I'm the first author in the family. Great, great. So it's kind of like now at family functions, everybody's like, hey, author. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But yeah. it's, it's been a cool yeah. experience for sure. An author with a day job that uh, flies around as a flight attendant, right? Yeah. Do you get any of your inspiration on flights? Oh, for sure. There's actually a poem <laughs> in the book, Flight. Um, it's interesting because I wrote Flight before I even became a flight attendant. I've always liked flying, like, yeah. you know, airplane travel and stuff. Just, you know, being in the sky is something that's very, um, I think, taken for granted because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're literally, like, soaring through the sky yeah, in a metal yeah, tube to yeah, get where we're trying yeah. to go. With, so, with about 180 with, other people. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's so it's so awesome, like, just yeah. to be up there. I do a lot of reflecting up there even when I am working, and yeah. I get a chance to just look outside. It's, it's just like a, a outer body experience almost that's, that's because great. you're, you're yeah. in the clouds, literally. Now, Rosie, you... Um your book uh, actually is bringing family into it. So how did they react to this story? So my family always knew that I was in the process of writing the book. I let them know from the very beginning of what I was doing. And then um, I let three or invited three of my sisters to read it prior to doing anything with it. Um, And they supported me. My siblings supported me. My family overall supported me. Um, Because you get into some tough stuff in the book here. I mean, some honest appraisals about what happened within your family. Yeah. And a lot of family members might not want that kind of information to come out. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some, I don't, I think when I told them that I was publishing a book, I don't think they really believed me. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, but they always knew all along what the, you know, what I was working on. And then when I was seeking publication and the night before I signed my contract, I let them all know again. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some discomfort, but there's comfort in the fact that it's published fiction, names are changed. Um, so. Okay. Well, I, I can I can tell both in terms of preparation for the podcast and in listening to you read and talking with you today that you're both very strong women and you've dealt with some very difficult circumstances and now you're um, you're moving forward with your writing and since both your books focus on you know your nationality and your race I thought we would kind of dive into a couple of readings that that address those if that's okay yeah that works for me okay so we're going to start with uh, Rosie you're going to read um, about the the town that you grew up in when you were a little girl, and pronounce it for us. Sabanitas. There you go. I'm glad you did it, not me. <laughs> uh, I'd like you to read uh, that scene because I think it gives a good sense of, of place. In Sabanitas, we loved it when it rained. At the first sign of a rainstorm, our family ran to the back of the house to make sure our two rusty iron bins were turned over so that the rainwater would fill them up. I'm not using the term rusty loosely either. I'm not sure how old these bins were, but they served their purpose. The iron bins were big enough to fit a large person in them standing up and they could store a lot of water. 
After the rain, we would use this water to bathe with since we didn't have running water at the house. After we made sure the bins were positioned, we grabbed a couple of bars of soap and went outside to shower in the cold rain while we laughed and enjoyed the water as a family. We then put on our pajamas, wet worn out towels draped over our backs and shoulders, and went back outside under the covered front porch to enjoy the rainbow that appeared over us into the nightfall. I sat on Tia Mia, Tio Mateo's, or Tio Marcos's lap as one of them combed out the knots from my wet hair. The rainbow never failed to appear. On our property, we had dogs, cats, pigs, hens, a very mean rooster named Mario, snakes, exotic birds, and mango-stealing monkeys in the trees right behind our house. If you wanted a mango, you simply went outside, climbed the tree, grabbed it, and ate it. You could also use one mango to throw and make more fall so you could share the fruit with others. When you heard a sudden loud bang on the tin roof, you knew it meant a mango had fallen off the tree on its own. That's when we all stopped what we were doing to run outside and find it. Whoever got to the fruit first could eat it. This wasn't a casual thing either. We literally raced. The mango was a true treat. Now, Rosie, by all accounts, looking back, um, you wouldn't say that uh, you were well off economically in that time period, right? Correct. And yet you felt like you had the whole world in front of you, right? We were rich in love. Yeah, yeah. And you had mango-stealing monkeys. Yeah, and still. <laughs> still? Still there? Yeah. Still and there. a very mean rooster named Mario. Yeah, yeah Mario's yeah. gone, but... Oh, that's too bad. Because <laughs> even though he was mean, he probably had a nice side to him every now and then. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, that's great. That gives us a sense of Panama in your early years. Um, let's talk, uh, Kamari, about race for a minute. You've got a little piece here, uh, Black is Beautiful. Could you read that for us? Sure. Black is beautiful. My black is beautiful, bold, and free. My black is strong and powerful like a deeply rooted tree. When I look in the mirror, what do I see? I see a highly melanated queen staring back at me. I am the product of my ancestors who fought long and hard to make a way for me. You see, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams, for they believed in me, in us, to achieve great things and exist as kings and queens. I like that, uh, that thought, you're your ancestors' wildest dreams, yeah. Have you done a lot of research in, into history? Absolutely. I um, have been super interested in like genealogy and like ancestry um, for quite some time, but I took a trip to Belize earlier this year and I just instantly became so intrigued by how um, the people in Belize are very like rich in culture, but they're also it's such an eclectic place. Like you have people from all different colors and um, they look different, but they're all identifying as Belizean. Um, Belize is like the one of the only nations where English is the primary language in um, the part of Central America where it's at. So you know, Span they speak Spanish, but English is the primary language. And, so why Belize for you? What what attracts you to Belize? Um, a lot of people don't know a lot about it, but um, I have some like um, heritage stemming from the islands, not necessarily Belize, mm. but the Bahamas. And um, I just became interested in like visiting Belize because of what I've heard about it from other islanders and you know why it's such a cool place but just being in belize and how they know so much about their culture but they like i said they look so different like you have some people who are you know of a darker complexion and some that are of a lighter complexion but they're you know all the same nationality 
Um, so it was just important for me after that trip to really like dive into my own personal ancestry. Um, I've been able to, you know, start working on that through like um, ancestry.com. And just like you find any interesting stories in your past? Yeah, <laughs> um, a few, you know, just about both sides of my family actually. But like I said, my father's side has has Bahamian roots, so I was able to take a trip to the Bahamas this year as well. Before, unfortunately, they got hit by a hurricane. Mm. Um, but it's a beautiful place as well, and you know, it's it's just something about like island culture. Like, you know, the people are just, you know, like as Rosie said, they may not be rich in money, but they are rich in love. Like, you know, the people mm. there are just so proud to be you know, a, a part of their, their own culture. It's, mm. it's great to see because, you know, here in America is such a melting pot, but you don't really see that in, in high, you know, demand here because it, it is such a melting pot. And you're celebrating, you know, race and your, your, your blackness here. And is that always been something you felt strongly about or did this come to you later? Oh, always, like, always, always okay. for so sure. you've always had a strong sense of, of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good. Now, Rosie, um, the Latina, you um, you come, your family comes to the United States. Uh, you're uprooted, you know, from Panama. You end up where New York, I believe it is. Correct. New York, and uh, lots of changes over that period of time. Is that was that kind of a culture shock for you coming from Panama to New York City? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the the snippet that I just read from Chapter Two, Sabanitas. Mm -hmm. It was to for readers to understand the world of a difference, mm -hmm. coming from surrounded by nature and this tropical um, land and property, surrounded by loved ones, and to go to New York, to Long Island, and you're surrounded by buildings, new people. Everything was different. Mm. Now, before um, Kamaria reads her next poem you've got a little piece rosie in your book where um you talk about writing poetry right yeah and uh so let's let's turn to that for a second it's a short read set that up a little bit for us what's going on in your life at that point in time i was discovering poetry and again everything that i was writing it for me it was a release and I kept it to myself so and I you're you're what age around this time or? um this was probably Late teens, maybe okay. 18, 17, 18. At which point, if you're reading the book, you know that you're helping raise younger siblings. You're doing a lot because you picked up language quickly. Your mother didn't. You were actually the interpreter Correct. for your family. Is that is that often the case uh, for people who Im immigrate to the United States, that the, the younger children who pick up the language serve as the interpreters Absolutely. for the family? Absolutely. Uh, was that difficult for you, or did you enjoy it? Um. I mean, it's a different, it's just very different. I mean, I was, I had to write my own, like, letters for school if I was missing out for anything. Um, well, you, at least you could doctors. grade your own papers when they bring you. You could <laughs> sign them for your mother and take them back in, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. being the English speaker and family, yeah. You're, yeah. you're having to do. All right, let's read that short piece. I turned to writing poetry when I was hurting emotionally. I wrote about missing Carlos, my confusion about love, and my heartache. I wrote about my insecurity with the man who took my innocence when I was eight years old and the confusion and disgust I had every day I lived with him. I wrote about feelings I had about hurting myself and how I would never do it because mommy would be too distraught and you four needed me. I wrote about missing our family in Panama and wishing I lived there again when life was simple. I wrote about the curiosity and anger I had toward my biological father. I wrote and wrote and wrote. I wrote about everything I couldn't say out loud 
I very often found myself writing poetry instead of notes during class. Poetry got my angry thoughts out of my mind and in a way shared them, even though no one read them or listened. Mommy always reminded me not to tell anyone about him. So I wrote. And Rosie, this was a particularly hard part of the book to read for me. Um, not only did you go through domestic abuse at the hands of your stepfather, but then you couldn't tell anybody, even your mother, and you, and you continued to have to live in the house. Um, and she didn't find out till years later, right? Right. And I think you even said that uh, there was some concern about whether she, she wanted you to report him to the police because then he might go to prison and then he was the breadwinner and so forth. So is this sort of conflict here that, you know, to keep the family going economically, you couldn't report. So how did you deal with that? It seems like a difficult thing for a young person to have to, to shoulder. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I forget what the statistic is, but in cases, you know, where there is sexual abuse in the home, one, it's usually someone that, you know, a family member. And then two, there's that, unfortunately, I'm not alone in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people are in that in that position that you can't report or are discouraged from speaking up. And so what I found is after writing this book, sharing Olivia's story, so many women reached out about, thank you for putting this out there for... Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let me turn back to Kamaria for a minute before the break here. We're going we're gonna to do something. Uh, you, you hinted at it in your poem, Black is Beautiful. I think I know who you're talking about, but let's go and tell our listeners who's king and who's queen. Um, that's a great question, Landis. I really felt like it was so important for my book to definitely have a message for the kings and queens, um, specifically talking about black men and black women. In today's, you know, climate in our society, it's, it's so overwhelming to see the number of black and brown men and women who are, you know, discriminated against and unfortunately, you know, dealing with police brutality, you know, it's just been like a extreme increase in things like this and you know to think that we're in 2019 about to walk into 2020 and we're still dealing with these kinds of things mm -hmm. it's very disheartening and you know I just feel like it was so important for me to do my part to really like spread some message of positivity to you know specifically to black and brown men and women um, it's so important that we keep pouring into each other because you know a lot of the world doesn't want to see us win or you know do do better as a people um so yeah i have a poem two poems in my book titled dear queen and dear king and you do um dear queen is spoken word poetry right i do because you say you've got it memorized yeah. i do i'm so <laughs> proud of myself because you know it takes a lot in spoken word poetry to get up in front of people and perform but it, it kind of has a different message when you're able to like speak it instead of reading it um, you know, I've seen it done both ways and that's, you know, awesome. But for me personally, I really wanted to make sure that I like knew it because mm -hmm. it, it, it does mean a lot to me and it's, it's gone over very well with a lot of audiences. A lot of women have, you know, told me, thank you, you know, for that, that message. Well, so what I want you to do is lean back from the mic just a little bit and, and because you've got a strong voice here, you know, I want you to perform, uh, dear queen for us before the break. Okay. Okay. All right. Dear queen. You've got a crown that you can't put down. Even when they put you down, you must still stand tall. Rising above it all, the pain, the fear, the doubts must be silenced. 
They need you to balance all of this and still shine like never before. So many look to you for inspiration. They're counting on you to soar. You come from royalty. Your great-great-grandmother birthed many young queens, of course. How could you not rise to the occasion? Don't be fooled by the distractions. Your melanin-a-million-dollar smile are enough. You don't need to alter a thing, young queen. You're the real deal, giving them real vibes. No lies, your eye is on the prize. Keep going. Push through anyway when they tell you it's much too hard. You are a queen after all. Realize that you cannot shrink to make them feel more adequate. Boldly walk according to his plan and step by step, they'll see it was your destiny all along. They can never take your crown from you, queen. Your education, poise, and pride cannot be disguised. Thank Maya, Felicia, and Mary J for paving the way to embrace your inner queen. Thank Coretta, Michelle, and Auntie Maxine for stepping on the scene to lead and not follow. They're counting on you to be in love all that you are. It will surely take you far, young queen. All right, we're all fired up now. Right? <laughs> So, listeners, uh, when we, when we, <laughs> that's right, giving high fives here in the studio. So, when we come back, listeners, we're going to get into the uh, writing life segment. We've got a couple more readings uh, from Rosie's book and from uh, Kamaria's book. So, uh, please stay with us. Hey, listeners, I'm here with uh, Hannah Turner. She is a publicist and digital marketer for artists across the creative spectrum, including award winning authors, musicians, fine artists, and independent filmmakers. And she even works with people like me. So. <laughs> How you doing, Hannah? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So we're going to uh, talk tips uh, on marketing as an author or creator. So what's your first tip? My first tip is definitely to really focus on your email marketing strategy. I would say that's one of the most important things you can do for your writing business because it really helps you forge your relationship with your readers. Um, you have the opportunity to open that line of communication, see what they like, what they don't like, really kind of focus on what they're clicking on, how your open rate's doing. It just kind of gives you insight into how the relationship is building. Just don't spam them, right? Yes, yeah. don't spam them. Okay. <laughs> All right. And uh, this thing we call social media, the elephant <laughs> do we have to do that? Oh, yes. And it sounds so bad. You know, I, I do think social media is a must, especially for authors. Um, but what I would say to that is definitely picking one to start with and really putting all of your energy into that and your content strategy, because the big thing is that it helps boost your engagement and really kind of starting to build that relationship and get feedback that's really valuable to your writing business um, through social. It's just it's a big community and it's a great place to share your work. OK. And since you are helping people be creative, talk about creative events. Um, yeah, creative events. I mean, there's so many ways you can get creative with the way you do author events, book events now, which is awesome. I mean, for example, you can take your book and the topic, subject matter of it, and tie it in with a local nonprofit organization, support group, library, anything like that, and put on an event that's a little bit different than it would be normally. Um, or even at a bookstore, you know, tie in a local business, bring in a bottle shop for some beverages, things like that. Really kind of create it, create a community around the event and the big thing is that you'll be able to expand your market into readers that wouldn't have read your book otherwise. So Hannah, if people want to tap into this clearly <laughs> highly elevated energy level that you have, how, uh, <laughs> thank how, you. How, how do they find you? They can find me at spellboundpublicrelations.com. Charlotte Readers Podcast and host Landis Wade are grateful to you for listening to this show. If you like the show, please leave a short written review on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, or the podcast platform of your choice, because your review helps authors share their stories with more listeners. Thank you for your support. 
Hey, listeners, we're back with Kamaria Delaney, uh, author of Soul, Power, and Rosie Crumpton, author of All I Left Unsaid, Latina's Journey Toward Truth. Now, at the opening of the show, Rosie and Kamari, we had Kamari reading about dreams. We had Rosie reading about your college graduation, which is sometimes filled with dreams. Um, so have some of your dreams come true? Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. Tell us. Um, well, for sure, soul power, like I said, it's always been a dream of mine to write and publish a book. So that's definitely a dream fulfilled. And just, you know, um, I'm a college graduate. I have my bachelor's in criminology and sociology. I've been able to, you know, do some work in the field with mental health and, you know, work with kids in the avenue of social work. I did some um, investigative work with Child Protective Services. Those weren't specific dreams, but it's, you know, was my dream to, you know, do something that was impacting my community. And I, you know, was able to do that through those career opportunities. Um, but now, you know, as a flight attendant, it's always been, you know, a huge dream of mine to be able to travel the world and, you know, I would always be at work at my previous jobs just, like, daydreaming. Like, how am I going to be able to, like, make this possible? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, one day I just kind of, on a whim, was just like, I think this might be something that's really good for me. And, you know, just took that leap of faith. And, you know, everything just kind of happened so fast. And to think that I've been flying for a little over a year now is mind-blowing to me because no, you've been you've been soaring remember? soaring yeah. right i've been soaring for a little over a year now and yeah. it's been you know an awesome experience i've been mm. able to see you know eight countries this year alone and that's something that i would have never been able to do um if i if it wasn't for my job my mm. career um i'm gonna be going to australia in a couple weeks so uh -huh. i'm looking forward to that great yeah all right so rosie the piece you read at the beginning of the show you're frustrated to some extent at your college graduation because you didn't have a normal college because you were caring for your family, working extra jobs, interpreting for your parents and helping your siblings. Uh, so how about your dreams? <laughs> <laughs> I would say absolutely. Um, my college experience was a little bit different at the time. And now looking back on it, it's really, it was all on me. It was my attitude at the time. Mm. Um, and how so? Well, when I was in school, it had nothing to do with my college um, and what they offered. But I was so stuck in what I couldn't do that I just lived in this negative space. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize that until after. Because of your family life and everything pulling you down? Or? Yeah, I was too focused on what I couldn't do because I had this circumstance in my life and I thought I was alone in that and that's not the case mm -hmm. and instead of just focusing on the positive and the beauty that I had at the time I just I was in this negative space mm -hmm. um, and then you took that and you kind of wrote your way out of it yeah. I did yeah <laughs> writing this book was a dream it took me seven years to write it from the moment I hit save ass for the first time to book in hand um, and then also... I like that save ass. So what was the first title you put on there, save ass? <laughs> the first title? Yeah, yeah. When you said save ass, uh, is this Rosie's book or what? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Untitled. Untitled, yeah. yeah. Untitled book, okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, speaking of books and writing and everything, I do this little thing called the Writing Life segment and uh, you know, just try to find out a little bit about your paths and writing. You both already indicated that you started writing it at a young age, but... Um, what is it uh, that keeps your juices flowing? What is it that gets you excited about writing, Kamaria? Honestly, you know, it's 
it's something that's fun for me. Like it's enjoyable for me to write. Um, I'll have times where literally a poem will wake me up in the middle of the night. You know, I've had some pieces where like I have to write this poem for whatever reason. I like wake up and do it, and then I'll go back to sleep. It's it's very odd, but it does happen to me often. Um, I have a lot of writings that I don't think I'll ever share with anybody because it's just personal stuff for me, but it was important for me to write it down. I mean, when kids were doodling in class, I was like writing random things on the side. I wasn't really drawing. So yeah, writing. You're kind of a nerd, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, just a little <laughs> bit, but yeah, I mean, writing is, yeah. is, is cool. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I encourage it, it people to write. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, yeah. it, even if it's journaling or like writing down, you know, people like doing lists, you know, whatever mm. works for you, like write it down, especially like your dreams and stuff, because you look back at your dreams and goals that you write down and like, that's something that keeps you accountable of like what you want to do. So mm. you can look back and say, Hey, I actually did that. How about you, Rosie? What, uh, what inspires you to write? You know, what's funny when you reached out to us about doing this segment together mm-hmm. and this was before I had read, read Kamaria's book and mm-hmm. I thought, okay, he's read both of our books. What does it have in common? I think I even yeah. asked you that <laughs> and I'm sitting here listening to your responses and I swear I want to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. so much yeah. in common here. Um, but I love to write even when I was mm-hmm. younger, um, research papers. I was excited about writing research papers and especially mm-hmm. if I could pick the theme, right, <laughs> like I right. could research something I'm interested in yeah, and then yeah. write about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so, so when y'all, um, and, and thank you for that, for both of you to read each other's work, that's awesome when you come on the show that way and you're prepared to talk about what the other has written. But uh, I, I just would be interested, you know, you're writing poetry, Kamara. You're writing this uh, novel slash memoir, <laughs> Rosie. Um, different types of writing. Um, did y'all get something out of each other's work, Kamaria? Did- oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I commend you for sharing your story. It's such an important story that needs to be told. Um, you know, I think it's great that you're able to use, like, pain and turn it into, like, passion and something that is, you know, helping you heal and possibly helping others heal for sure. Um, so I definitely admire you for that. That's, you know, I believe that if you're going to be a writer, like, you know, write it down, yes, but, like, have a purpose for your writing. So I think that it's, you know, awesome that you're able to, like, draw back on your cultural roots and you were able to actually physically go back home to Panama. That's so beautiful. Um, I wish that everyone can do that. You know, they can mm-hmm. go back to, you know, trace their roots and really see, like, where, they're co- where they come from and, like, learn about, like, who they are yeah. because so many people are, like, lost, you know, because they have no idea who they are. And and, and Rosie, you um, actually were helping pick some of the poems that she was going to read. I think the one at the end you liked, the Soul Flower that we're going to read. That you, one of your ideas. What, what did you get from listening to her poetry and the spoken word in particular? Oh, well, likewise. Yeah. Um, I read your book start to finish, and it was. I remember. I love the one that you're getting ready to do next. I think, but I remember wondering what life experiences did this young woman because we had already met have for this work to be so rich in power in soul um and there's there's just beauty in that you were able to create this and then share it with the world so i thank you for that so writing life question when was the first time each of you felt like you could call yourself a writer 
You go first. <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah. it wasn't until I had a published piece. Uh, and I learned since that if you write, you're a writer. You exactly. don't necessarily need to have something published. It was actually right before this book I published an article because I blog as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you write, you're a writer. How about you, Kamoria? That's, that's good. Honestly, um, you know, I, I feel like I was a writer before I published Soul Power, probably, you know, maybe in college when I was a part of my spoken word group and I was around, you know, a lot more women who were also writers and poets. You know, a couple of them had published some of their own works, but just like being around them, we actually had the privilege of opening up for Nikki Giovanni one time. Mm. And it was, you know, listening to her talk and being around these other women where I was like, you know, I'm a writer, but publishing a book definitely like gives you some um to like say that. Um, you know, we're living in a world of like social media culture where mm-hmm. like, you know, people are public figures now. So yeah. it's like, you know, you, I th- you even got a T-shirt with soul power on today. Right? I do. <laughs> you're, um, you're, it's you're all about branding it. now. It's, it's branding. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's uh, well, it's interesting. You both got day jobs. Um, you're have careers doing things and. Rosie, like Kamara, you've, you've put yourself back into to the work to kind of help people with, you know, different kinds of struggles. But given that, people who are listening who might want to write their own book or whatever sometimes wonder, well, I don't ever have time. I don't, you know, there's not enough time with it. So how did, how did the two of you make time to do what you did? Start with you, Rosie. You have to be intentional about it. Um, I mentioned it took me seven years. It was off and on. There were months where I didn't even open the document. But when I decided, okay, this is going to be real, I'm going to finish it, I had to be intentional with my time. And so I worked a 40-hour job and do other community roles. So it meant setting my alarm clock and writing from 4 to 6 a.m. And then after I got home, cooked dinner, cleaned, spent a little time with my husband, said goodnight at 10 o'clock, it was fire up the laptop again and Mm -hmm. write until midnight and then Mm -hmm. go to bed. Mm How about you, Kamaria? That's that's spot on. Um, I but was, you're hiding back in the back when you're supposed to be serving us. You're writing poems, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, no, seriously. I mean, you know, on the plane, that is. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, honestly, I tell anybody that asks that question, you got to begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, start how you want to finish. Um, when I started, you know, being serious about writing Soul Power, I was like, you know, this is something that is going to be in someone else's hands one day. Like, how do I want to finish this? So that's how I had to start. Um, You know, I came up with soul power because, like, there was a question that just kept coming to me, like, Kamaria, what powers your soul? So I had to answer that question first before I was able to really dive into writing my book. And I think, you know, I started how I wanted to finish, and, you know, it's turned into something that's, you know, beautiful, but... You know, I'm actually proud of it. You know, I didn't want to put something out where I'm like, I wish I could have did this. And I mean, we're our own worst critics. But I think, you know, if you start how you want to finish, it'll be gold. Hmm. And Rosie, we're going to have a reading from you in a little bit here that um, relates to your search for your biological family, your father, and finding him again in Panama and finding out that despite everything you thought growing up, he didn't really abandon you. Was that tough as a young child thinking that your father had abandoned you when, in fact, your mother had taken you without his knowledge? Yeah, it was. You grow up thinking or believing this one thing and putting negative energy towards someone that you later find out that's not the case. It Mm -hmm. changed my whole perspective. It changed my story in a way. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes ask authors, you know, what are your characters searching for? So 
Um, what were you searching for in this uh, period of your life? Maybe closure or... I remember feeling that I didn't necessarily want the history, but there was something missing. Mm. Um, and I think closure is the right word. And Kamari, were you searching for something through this? Uh, th- these are kind of collected poems. They all have the theme that kind of ties together. Were you searching for something as you were writing th- these poems? Absolutely. You know, as I mentioned before, you know, just answering the question of what powers my soul, that's something that I had to answer. But as I was piecing together the poems, I wanted to go into the anthology. I had to, you know, make sure that, you know, not only they kind of flowed together, but it's like I wanted to prompt the reader to answer that question as well. You know, Mm. like I wanted them to be able to say, like, this powers my soul and why. Um, You know, I, I would say some of the poems for sure would be closure as well. The love chapter is something that's very personal to mm. me because it was for sure about closure. Well, speaking of powers, if uh, last writing life question, if you had uh, a superpower that you could apply to your writing process, what would it be? Ooh, a superpower. That's a good one. Yeah. Would you want to stop time? Would you want to be able to read minds? Would you want to be able to have a photographic memory? You know, would you want to be just, you know, is there anything that comes to mind that would help you? I want to see. I want to see into the future. Okay, there you go. That's I want to. I want to <laughs> see like how is this going to be? How is yeah. it going to be perceived? Like yeah. you know, yeah. I, writing is like something that you you do, but it's like it's a process. But if I could like see it in the future, fast forward to see like how is that process going to end? I would be all for it for sure. And maybe Rosie, you might want to take that little device that. Uh the character in Harry Potter had where they could turn back time, you know, <laughs> and you could you could go back in time, right? I and, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then maybe see if you could change some things or not. I mean, maybe it's, a fly uh, on the wall. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, let's do this. We've uh, we've got a poem here that uh, Kamara, you're going to read. It's called Morning Sun. Can you tell us how that came about and what, what that what that is? Absolutely. So Morning Sun is a very personal piece to me. Um, you know, the poem essentially is is describing a journey or kind of like a process if you will through a very turbulent relationship um, that did involve some domestic violence I don't specifically say that in the poem but that's you know what it's stemming from Um, you know relationships especially like intimate relationships they often start off on a high you know there's all good things in the beginning but you know um, if something's bad, it's you know going to eventually spiral down to something that's not so good and happy. So that's essentially what morning sun is. You know, the, the sun rises every day, and it's up to us to um, decide what we want to do with our day. You know, are we going to keep going? Are we going to you know live in the past? So yeah, that's morning sun. All right, let's hear it. Morning sun. It was an ordinary day, or so I thought. In my mind, I made up how things would be. You see, we would have longevity, substance, and clarity. You were red wine, rich and bold, bitter to the taste, but warm going down. But then things shifted. You were no longer an asset or peer. Instead, you became a burden almost overnight. The fights left us paralyzed, frozen in time. Time. We can never get it back. I'm forever grateful for this paradigm shift like a gift that can never be bought. I'm up in the clouds, soaring above ground, looking down like, look how far we've come. The turbulence tried to take us out, back when you used to chase clout, and I had all the doubts about what my future would hold. 
But then I leveled up my faith, switched up the pace, turned my face back towards the morning sun to face God, allowing him to show me that everything that glitters isn't gold. The world isn't cold, it's just lukewarm. Never feel like it's too late to walk away from any situation that's forcing you to stay. After all, if you're still getting force-fed anything these days, it's a choice. Choose wiser. Less wishing, more doing. Less talking and more action. You gotta learn to find your way early. Careful not to let the world swallow you whole. Because in the morning when the sun rises, yesterday is buried and there lies another day to make it count. Don't waste it. Now, Rosie, having listened to Kamari read that, I'm thinking that uh, there's a little bit of lead here into your next read. Less wishing and more doing, less talking and more action. That's exactly what you did when you went in search of your biological family, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. You you dusted things off and you said, I'm going to do this. And this next read you've got uh, addresses that you sort of stumbled across, uh, I think, was it Facebook or something about your your biological brother? Is that right? or half brother? I guess. Yeah. yeah, it was a um, Spanish um, social media site called Sonico that I was not familiar with. Um, and you found him, and you were thinking about whether you should write to him because he had the same last name as your father. Your biological father. Same first and last name. First and last. And so you wondered, maybe this could be my brother. Right. Possibly. Right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's pick it up on page 186 here when uh, when you're doing this searching. Still, I couldn't stop thinking about the handful of memories I had of my biological dad and decided to send this mystery boy a message after all. I didn't want to cause any problems, so I was very careful with my words. I typed in Spanish. Hello, my name is Olivia Batista. I live in the United States, and I think we may be related. If you would like to contact me, feel free to message me here or email me, and I'm also on Facebook. I sent it, made the sign of the cross over my face, blew a kiss up to Jesus in prayer, and logged off the strange new social media site. To say I was nervous is an understatement. I experienced extreme anxiety. I checked my profile compulsively only to find an empty inbox. A million thoughts ran through my head. Had he read my message? Had he not read my message? Is he my brother? Should I have worded my message differently? Had he read it and asked our father who I was? Have I sparked some sort of argument or drama? Is my father married? Does his wife know of me? What if this person isn't related to me? What do I say if we're family? What do I do? If they know who I am but want nothing to do with me, how would, I, how would that make me feel? What have I done? I needed to feel loved. I was scared and anticipated nothing but rejection. He hadn't fought to be in my life. He never came to rescue me when I needed him. Through his absence, I felt rejected by him already. I went into full protection mode and turned to find comfort and love where I had always received it, our mother. I told her what I had done. I needed her love. She couldn't believe I had looked him up after all these years considering what I had been told about him. She was anxious for a response just as much as I was, and together we waited. Every single day seemed like painful eternity. I prepared for the worst, how to respond to this boy if he ever wrote me back, and how to cope if he never did. 
one and a half long weeks later, I received a response. It read, Hello, I know exactly who you are. You're my older sister. I've thought about you, and I'm happy to hear from you. My heart exploded. I had a 17-year-old brother, and he knew about me. I had no idea he existed, and yet he accepted me. I cried like a baby. Complete relief filled my soul and gave me life after the long days of anticipation. This young man on the other side of the computer screen had total control of my emotions, and he brought me so much joy with his few words. Filled your soul, kind of like soul power, huh? (laughs) (laughs) This step you took, as you hesitated to do it, led to a journey. You, You went to Panama. Right? I did. And you met your father and your father's family. Correct. And your mother went back with you. She did. And you met her family. Yes. And you tried to keep both families apart. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but how, so how was that experience after all those years? Was it? I know you must have been nerve-wracked going down there. Oh, absolutely. But in the end, uh, it was. I think I got the sense from reading the book that it was almost harder to leave than it was the concern about going down there in the first place. I've gone back quite a few times now. Um, my first trip back was in 2010, and every time I come back home, it's difficult to leave. I mean, it's just it's never enough time there. Hmm. Uh, with your family, but also with the land that you were born in? Yeah, I love going to my grandma's property. Yeah. It's the same house where I grew up. With, with, the, angry, with the angry... Uh, <laughs> with the mango-stealing monkeys. Mango-stealing monkeys and the hen that... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we've got time for one more. Um, this is going to be Kamaria. Um, the title is Soul Flower. Can you set that up for us? Absolutely. So Soul Flower is something that is one of the, I would say last pieces that I, you know, chose to put in soul power. Um, ironically, it's called soul flower and the book's called soul power. Um, yeah, you're, you're a poet, they rhyme, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, but soul flower is more of like, um, the blossoming of me, if you will. Um, you know, I believe that we all have a journey. We all start somewhere. Um, you know, I wasn't always this polished and you know this author you know I came from the ground up essentially so I think you know I it was important for me to include soul power soul flower excuse me it was important for me to include soul flower in soul power because um you know I just wanted to have a message for any woman or young woman who felt feels like they're you know not enough or you know this this age of comparison that we're in right now you know for any woman who finds himself comparing themselves constantly to what the next person is doing like understand that you know your time is coming and you know eventually you'll be able to blossom into a beautiful flower all right well this will be a good note to end the podcast on so let's hear it she is a flower in full bloom something like a full moon full of light shining bright, sitting high in the sky for all the world to see. This ain't no tea, nah, this is Duce, baby, because Miss Flowerbomb, she'll drive you crazy. She is pure poetry, heaven sent, a gift wrapped up in the finest petals. Miss Soulflower, she's got power and rhythm too. She's more soul food in a world full of eye candy. She walks in the room calm, not loud or boastful. She lets her art speak for itself. She is art. She is love. 
and she has loved so hard that she had to pull back and love on herself more. Soul flowers grow from the ground up with roots so deeply rooted in truth and clarity. She is consistent. Even when she's mad, she'll still give you the same side eye you might catch when shade is thrown. Miss Soulflower searches for death, getting ahead by learning, reading, and walking in her purpose. She illuminates warmth from her smile to her glow. Didn't you know Miss Soulflower is a rare breed? You got to take your time with her. Careful not to pluck any of her petals off. Careful not to dehydrate this ever-growing fluorescent beauty queen. Soulflower, you got the power to change the game. Make sure they remember your name. Mama Africa, a queen you are. Miss Soulflower. All right. Well, it's uh, I, I can see in talking with you today that both of you illuminate warmth and you both have a glow about you and a certain smile. Um, and that's come through difficult struggles, right, uh, in the past. But uh, it looks like you're, you know, Kamara, she's soaring as a airline literally. <laughs> attendant. She's actually <laughs> literally. And, uh, you know, Rosie, uh, you're also soaring in your your job and your family and you got a larger family now than you had before right that's right yeah and <laughs> two countries right so. yeah yeah that's great well look it's been great having both of you on the show and um, all the best to you in your tenured writing thank you for having us yeah it's been awesome well that's it for today another fine author giving voice to their written words next tuesday we'll have another in-depth episode with readings and conversations about the written word and the writing life of a local or regional author but before then be on the lookout for another under the covers episode where we do much the same thing we do here but quicker and sometimes away from the studio because there are just too many good authors and not enough time if you like what we're doing please consider leaving a short written review on apple podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And you can keep up with news about the show by joining our email list and engaging with us on social media. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join our email list, we'll give you a free ebook written by me. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Until next week, I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. <laughs>